Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Last week in your Everyone Together series, you looked at the topic of everyone bearing fruit and how important that is for each of us in the body of Christ. But this week's theme is everyone in unity. And the passage of scripture I was given was 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. And for me, there were just three things that stood out that speak to unity and speak to the part that we had to play. And I want to briefly look at those and then encourage you as a people as we uh, look at what lies before us. Verses 2, uh, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verses 4 to 6. I want to suggest to you that there is the challenge to us to become like Christ. He is the living stone and we are told that we are to be living stones. Uh, Stones are a fairly inanimate object, aren't they? But uh, there is that sense in which Jesus is the foundation and then as people look at us as living stones in the foundation and the work of God, they're going to be drawn to God. And we're to emulate and be like Jesus. If there's one thing that God has as a plan for each of our lives, it's that we conform to the image of Jesus. And if you're anything like me, you know that there's a lifelong work that needs to be done for that to happen. As long as we are here, we have a commission from God. Romans 8 says that we are to be conformed to the image and the likeness of his son and that that's a continual work. In 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about the fact that this work continues until we're with him and that we are to reflect his glory with increasing glory as time goes by and as long as we live. Let's just read through these verses. Christ is the living stone. People did not accept him, but God chose him. God places the highest value on him. You also are like living stones. As you come to him, you are being built into a house of worship. There you will be holy priests. We'll pick that up a little later again. You will offer spiritual sacrifices God will accept them because of what Jesus Christ has done. In Scripture, it says, look, I'm placing a stone in Zion. It is a chosen and a very valuable stone. It is the most important stone in the building. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You are a living stone. You are a living part of the house that God is building. How many houses do you think there are? There's only one, isn't there? There's only one. And it's not just Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. We're just, you're just a part of that. And the reality is there is one church. Globally, there's one bride of Christ. We're all a part of that one body. And the way that we get along with one another and the way that we're built together as a house of worship actually makes a huge statement to people who are looking at us and who are observing God's people. 
And I love the fact that you are a kingdom church. You're not an empire church. You're not just wanting to build an empire. You're wanting and you are committed and your leadership over many generations now has been committed to being a kingdom church, a church that's wanting to see the kingdom of God grow. In 2 Corinthians 3, I love the way Paul refers to us being a living letter. Listen to this. You yourselves are our letter. You are written on our hearts, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Everyone knows you and reads you. You make it clear that you are a letter from Christ. I want to ask you a question. When people look at you, when they look at me, what do they read? What do they read? I love the words of Gypsy Smith. He was an evangelist in the UK and uh, he was like his name. He moved all over the place. But he said something profound. He said, there are, there are four Gospels. No, no, no. There's five Gospels. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, there's John. And then there's a Gospel according to you. And he said, the first four are seldom read. That's true, isn't it? The reality is people are reading us as a living stone, as a living letter. And the encouragement is that the longer we're on the planet and the longer that we are doing life, that more and more people will read and see the Christ-like qualities emerge in us. And it won't be as much by the things we say as by the things we do. For nearly four years now, my wife and I have been privileged to live in an apartment complex. We planted a little church there for these four years. We've been able to meet with Nick and the pastors who gather here every Thursday. We've loved being a part of the GR Network here for the city of Melville. And it's been a privilege to be a part of that. One of the things that Julie and I have uh, discovered is that people watch you. They observe you. One day a woman came to me and she said, um, what do you do? Well, I wasn't about to tell her that I'm involved in a church planting organisation and that we're planting churches all over Asia. I didn't think that was a good starting point. But I said, oh, we've come to live here and uh, we, we're committed to building community and we want to, want to serve. Um, for many years, I've been involved in Christian ministry uh, in churches and across our city and our country and some other countries as well. Ah, oh, didn't say anything. Why she went. About three weeks later, I was praying pool with her husband in our uh, games room and uh, she came to me and she said, some of the girls here are pretty excited. I said, what's that? She said that we've got a padre in the building. <laughs> now, I've, never, I've been called a lot of things, but I've never been called a padre. And she said, um, but having a padre in the building means that we can have free funerals. <laughs> oh, great news. <laughs> great news. Um, I said, how about we do a bit of living yet before we die, okay? Um, but sure, we're happy to help out wherever we can help out. 
But the beauty is that we've been able to establish a little, a little group of people who love Jesus. We've got about 25 on the group and we share in worship and we study the word together and communion and seek to reach out to the people where we are because that's where God has planted us for this season of our life. But people are reading us. They're always reading us. But it's really important that they also see how we relate to the broader body of Christ. It's really important that they see that we are not exclusive. You know, that we're not whatever tribe we come from and that's how we are. But that we actually reflect that we are committed to all Christians. Our closest friends in our building are a Catholic couple who live directly above us. And I would say Joe is one of the most devoted prayer warriors I have ever counted, encountered. And she would text us every couple of days with follow-up in prayer and encouragement. And we meet together, we pray together as we eat, as we share and do life together. And they know that we love them and they love us. They are wonderfully, deeply committed Christian people. We've had a meal with their priest. We're seeking to build relationship and if he wasn't holding uh, mass on a Thursday morning, he'd gladly come along. But I'm hopeful that he will come to some of our broader meetings that we have in our little GeoNet group. Let's go on in our passage. Look at verses 7 and 8. Because here I believe that it doesn't just say that we're a living stone and we're to reflect Jesus, but it actually indicates that we are to be a witness to Jesus, a testimony to Jesus. The stone is very valuable to you who believe. Can I just pause there for a moment? How valuable is Jesus to you? It's a, it's a good question to think about, isn't it? He is very valuable. He is the most valuable. I know that a number of you have been going through seasons of grief. We prayed into that on Thursday morning. There, there are a lot of things that we are encountering in today's world. And it's been a part of our family journey recently as well. I could not do ministry if it wasn't for Jesus and the hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus. That's what enables us to keep going. That's what enables us to reach out. That is what enables us to talk about Jesus. But to people who do not believe, the stone the builders did not accept has become the most important stone of all. And it is a stone that causes people to trip. It's a rock that makes them fall. They trip and fall because they do not obey the message or the truth about Jesus. And that is also what God planned for them. And Peter was writing to the Jewish believers and he, he had clearly indicated he had an understanding of what the prophets had said in the days past, that there would be Jewish people who would have hard hearts, who would resist and resist the Messiah when he came. And many Jewish people do so to this day. But oh, isn't it important that we don't give anybody a reason to stumble over Jesus? We had a couple from 
uh, days gone by, shared with us in morning tea yesterday, and we were encouraging them. And he, he's such a gem, this guy, yeah, practical, hardworking uh, man, 50 odd years of age, and he's just black and white in everything. You know, I'll let what God says, let's just do it. And the fact is that what Jesus says is right and you'd better listen and you'd better obey. And he's wondering why some of those who are a little closely connected with them are reacting a little bit. And I said, uh, mate, I won't use his name. I said, mate, do you think it might be wise that we just put out the message of Jesus in a way that helps them consider what Jesus is doing? Because when I grew up in my world, everybody had a Bible school or a Sunday school education. Most Aussies, 60% when I was born, went to church. Most Aussies had an awareness of God in a deep way. But our society is vastly different today. Over half of Australians weren't even born in Australia who are alive in Australia today. Don't you think it's important that we maybe give them a little foundation for them to believe? and uh, entice them or encourage them. And we talked into this because I know the way I started out as an evangelist, having a tent mission here or a church outreach there or a town hall here, etc. those days are gone. You can't do that. You don't have people come out six, seven, eight night, night, nights in a row, hear the word of God and then ultimately respond. You've got to do that out of relationship and building relationship with men and, people, uh, men and women. So my encouragement here is that it's important to help people see how valuable the stone is that Jesus is. And we don't want, to get, want them to trip up. We want them to respond. And we're just a part of God's family. And one of the things I've loved in our journey even in our apartment, in Sabina there, what we've discovered is that uh, somebody from a Baptist church will share with a sister and somebody from Assemblies of God or Australian Christian churches will share with a sister and somebody at work goes to Emmanuel Methodist and shares with a sister and all of these people working together have resulted in a young woman from mainland China coming to know Jesus. The body of Christ reflecting Jesus. It's beautiful. Something else I want you to notice from the passage, very quickly, that everyone is a priest. If you didn't know it before, please understand and know it now. It's something that we've already read in those early verses, isn't it? God places highest value on Jesus, etc. And he said, there you will be in that house holy priests, living priests. Look at what he says here in verses 9 and 10. God chose you to be his people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You're a people who belong to God. All of this is so that you can sing his praises. He brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's work backwards. Once you were condemned, then you received mercy. Once you were not a people, but now you and I, we are a chosen people. Once you were in darkness, 
but now we're in light. Once you were alienated from God, but now you belong to God. Once you were not priests, but now you are priests. You are God's representatives here on earth. We are and have the responsibility to be the priests of the living stone of Jesus, to share his light, mercy and love wherever God has planted us. And it's not just here in Mount Pleasant. Well, that's interesting. I was thinking last night, Nick, this actually isn't even Mount Pleasant. This is Myrie, isn't it? I wonder how many of you come from Mount Pleasant? How many of you actually live in the suburb of Mount Pleasant? Raise your hand. Anybody? Oh, a few. It's almost like you're embarrassed. <laughs> it's, it's okay to live in Mount Pleasant, all right? Yeah, really is. But the majority of you I have on very good authority don't live in Mount Pleasant. That's interesting, isn't it? You're a kingdom church. You actually go beyond the city of Melville. Even your pastors live in the city of Canning. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, and it, when we look at it, it's very interesting that the body of Christ is made up of so many different parts. And the reality that was introduced again, even as Gary spoke about uh, Nick and his ministry and then in the prayers from Adam, etc., what what was picked up is there is only one, one church in the city of Perth. I remember a man years ago saying, Jesus is coming back for a bride, not a harem. Yes. There is only one body. And I have it on good authority that the majority of you don't just belong here, but you live out there where God has you planted. Let me try and illustrate this a little bit. I have a great friend, his name's Dr. Jayakama Ramachandran, a church planning movement leader out of Bangalore. And he was traveling in a train early years of his ministry and sitting across from him was a Catholic priest and they got into conversation. Now, Jay at that point was an extremely conservative, uh, well-trained Baptist pastor and he had studied in Dallas, had completed the fastest master's degree and then doctoral degree in their history to that point. I don't know if it's been beaten, but he's an incredibly intelligent man. Came from an engineering background. He's since got other doctorates and he's now considered a, a, a leading scholar and Hindu and all the rest of it and the gospel. But Jay's sitting there on, on the train and the priest looked across and said, Dr. Jayakama, where is your parish? And he said, oh, oh, my parish. My parish is uh, in Baswadi. Baswadi, yeah. And uh, what is Baswadi part of? Oh, that's part of Basmati. And what's Basmati part of? And uh, Jay said, oh, that's part of the city of Bangalore. And what's Bangalore a part of, and Jay said, oh, Bangalore is a part of the state of Karnataka. And the priest said, well, how many people live in your little neck of the woods? He said, oh, 40,000. 40, how many in the broader area? 100,000. How many in Bangalore? At that stage, there's about 7.5 million. In Bangalore today, there's in excess of 11 million. 
It's one of the three largest cities in India. And the priest said, and uh, how about in your state? He said, 48 million. And he said, Dr. Jayakama, that is your parish. Not his little neck of the wood, but the whole city. And to understand that we are Christ's representatives all over where we are placed. Can you say amen to that? Wherever God places you, he wants to work in and through you. But you know what I love about that? That's in your DNA as a church. It's in your DNA as a church. When I first came back to ministry, um, it was a a wonderful time in in the history of our city. Uh, in the 70s there, and Fred Stone was your pastor. Now, Fred ended up being almost a counsellor to the city and established early counselling ministries out of his ministry here. But I came into contact him, uh, with him and was blessed by his ministry. And then as a church, you appointed Frank Smith. And Frank had a heart for pastors and for the city And I think somewhere along the line, the leadership of the church started to wrestle with what does it mean not just to be a Baptist church, but a Baptist church that's a part of the kingdom of God. And then you called Graham Mabry, and he became a pastor of the city anyway um, through Nightline and the radio program and just the generous way which you as a church over so many years released Graham into citywide ministry. But Graham came with DNA from Jesus people and all sorts of things. That's when we first met. He was leading the band and I was preaching at outreaches and tertiary and secondary school colleges and all sorts of places. And over the years, we journeyed together and love the fact that your church has a heartbeat for the broader body of Christ. And one of the big arguments in our country for people to reject Christianity has been the division and the fighting both within denominations and between denominations. And we've got to eradicate that by saying that the love of Christ in our heart draws us together as one people. My goodness, people, if we don't learn to get along here, what's it going to be like in heaven? <laughs> hey, you're going to be stuck all eternity with one another. We've got to learn how to do it better now. We have to. And now, of course, uh, you move from there to Richard. Richard was a leader across the city. He came to minister in the city, uh, our city of Gosnells when we were pastoring at Thornley. He ended up at the uh, Bible colleges, etc., and then served for a couple of years before Nick took over and became your pastor, senior pastor 13 years ago. What a journey. But did you read his little article this morning, this, this week as he wrote to you? This is nothing new. In fact, for the 13-year tenure of my role here as senior pastor, it has been a line in my position description encouraging me to, inverted commas, this is in Nick's job description. If you've never heard it before, you hear it now. This is part of what he was called to do here. 
actively nurture relationships with other pastors and leaders in the wider body of Christ, local, national and international. Isn't that wonderful? And you're doing that. And God's people are responding to the favour on Nick's life across our city. 2005, I was privileged to chair the servant leadership team for a number of years. Nick became a part of that group in the latter years. And we really wanted to hand over to younger leaders. And there was a, a mandate that took some time to develop. But the reality is that I had a vision, a, a, a picture, an image that just emerged through all of the prayer summits and things that we'd been involved in of a net over the whole of Western Australia. And the problem with the net was there were holes in it. And we had often talk, spoken about the fact that we wanted to see every city, every town, every shire with a group of Christian leaders, both pastors, but also people in the workplace who would come together to pray for the church across our city. And what's been born in time under Nick's leadership is this GeoNet. And a number of the old boys in their 80s and 70s like me, we reflect back and we look at that and we see the GeoNet as a fulfilment of building on that because we are seeing these groups emerge in a committed way to do things together in their cities, their towns, even in country regions, etc., across our state. And we are delighted about that. And that came from a passage of Scripture in Ephesians. And I just want to highlight one aspect of that. In verse 12, if you have a look at this passage, um, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why? He did it so that they might prepare God's people for works of service or for ministry, depending on your translation. That word prepare is the word that's used to describe a fisherman mending his nets. He has to prepare his nets so that he can catch fish. And what we see is that the role Nick is fulfilling in facilitating all of the pastors that we can, wherever we can, coming together and supporting one another across our city is a fulfilment of that. Mending the nets, enabling the church to move together and to have an impact. And so I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your vision to the broader work of God. I want to thank you for the faithful way that you've served God. Originally there in Mount Pleasant, but then of course you've moved here to give larger opportunities. And now you're spreading the net even further as you move into church planting. And I'm so excited about that because one of the 10 key um, measures of a healthy church is whether or not a church is prepared to plant new congregations. If it's not, the authorities would say it's not a healthy church. What a privilege for me to share this morning with a healthy church and with a family that's committed to the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me as I close and as I pray, and I want to pray again for you and for Nick in his ministry in our city. Let's pray together. Father, may you work through Nick 
the GeoNet team, the movement team, to see your church come together like never before, that we may accomplish your purposes in our city, the city of Perth, in our state, in our nation and beyond as we have the resources to bless many of the nations of the world. And I thank you for the continued history of this church in its commitment to serve the body of Christ. It's reflected again in acknowledging the unique role you have called Nick and Margie to in serving the Kingdom right now in our city and state. And I commit them to You, Lord. And I wanna claim Your promise that where brothers and sisters dwell together, where we are together, together, there, there, Lord, You command Your blessing. And I wanna thank You that You will continue to bless this church as it's prepared to invest in the church, in the work of the Kingdom in our city. And I wanna say thank You And I pray for each person bowed in Your presence. Lord, help us as priests. Help us not to put stumbling blocks in people's ways, but help us to become more and more like Jesus so that we will see people come to know Him. We ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.